that we got to do as a family. We got to go and, um, you know, I've always wanted to take the message of the gospel into the denominational churches. And, um, and so I'm, that's something that I've always wanted to do. I've had a chance to do it here and there. And, uh, but I had a Baptist uh, church organization contact me and want me to do their youth event. And um, we, so they, you know, they bring different churches in and different people and they do this big youth event. And um, I got to preach the gospel to these kids and, you know, grace and identity. And, you know, how many know that our young people, the primary thing the enemy's attacking the young people with is identity? I mean, they're really trying to get them to question. You know, how I many know the, the attack against identity in this generation is probably greater than it's ever been? I mean, it's not just an attack on, you know, who you are, but like what your gender is and, and um, you know, what your value is, and the list goes on and on. So if there's anybody <clears throat> that needs this message of grace and identity, I mean, what's the young people? And so, man, I had just the honor of sharing the gospel with these teens in Alabama. And so I did their New Year's Eve party and um, preached that night. And you know what? I wasn't even tired. Can't get an amen for not being tired. Because I was like, because me and, the, me and the, the youth pastor, we were looking at each other like, man, you know, because we're about the same age, you know, and like, okay, here we go, you know. And man, the night went by really fast, and all of a sudden it was over. And and I was like, I was happy, and I felt good, so I'm thankful for that. I mean, everybody say grace. Yeah, because now, man, I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm in bed by 10 o'clock, man, you know, so. Uh, but anyway, it was a great experience, and it was an awesome opportunity to pour out that message, and um, these guys, they want to they take that message of grace and identity all over the nation, and uh, how many know our young people need that, amen? And so it was a joy to, to share that, and it was a blessing, and I missed you guys. I think that's the first time I've ever missed the first service in January, uh, but how many know you're in really good hands with Grant Fraley? Can I get an amen for Grant Fraley? Grant is one of the best teachers that I've ever heard in my life, amen? And uh, just so thankful to have him here. And thankful to have him closer to home, too. I actually hung out at their house last night, and uh, now that they live close, I can be around them and stuff, and we watch football and ate cookies. <laughs> Nothing super spiritual, you know. Uh, we just had a good time, man. And so I'm, I'm going to have excess communion up here, and it's bothering me for some reason. I'm not sure why. So I'm just going to sit over there. Yeah, that's probably what it is, right? Amen. Well, let's, um, let's turn to Revelation chapter 3, please. And... Um, you know, what I want to, what God's really been ministering to my heart is, you know, I really, I mean, you know that <clears throat> you're going to have moments in this life when uh, your strength fails, um, when your strength is not enough, and you're going to have moments when you fall, when you fail, um, when you disappoint yourself and you act like a person that is not who you actually are um, and you're going to have moments where your strength is not going to be enough to get you through or to get you over and um that is going to happen to you over and over again in life. Now, I'm not like prophesying failure over you in terms of like falling, but what I am saying is that throughout your life as a believer, 
you're going to have times when your strength is not enough. And how many know when your strength is not enough, that can be a real scary moment? Um, because, you know, you are in a position of helplessness and in a position of vulnerability when you, you can't bring about any type of change necessarily in your life or maybe it's in the life of somebody else. And you're just you're there, and you just feel very helpless. And um, I, I would love to tell you that that was a one-time event, <laughs> um, but it's not. Um, it is a, a it's a regular occurrence as a human being. And um, once again, it can be it can be a scary moment. Anybody ever had a time when um, uh, your breath failed? Maybe you, you had a hard time breathing. Or, or anybody maybe passed out, um, or just had a moment where you were not in control of where you were going, and you were at the mercy of the circumstances, and you could not win, you could not overcome, you could not change, you could not change that person, um, that is a part of being a human being. And it's a part of being one of God's children. You were designed to be rescued. You were designed to be helped. You were designed. The name of our God is Savior. You know, I mean, you know, Jesus' name is Yeshua, and it means Savior, it means salvation. So, our God, you, you've been created by God to be rescued. Now, um, the challenge, once again, when you're in that place of helplessness and you're in that place of not being in control and you're in that place of not being strong enough and you're in that place of weakness, once again, that can be a scary place. But how many know that is also a place where you can stop looking at yourself and start to look at your Savior. Because as long as your strength is working fine, I mean, you know, sometimes you can, you still believe in Jesus. You still are born again. You're still a child of God, but He's in the back seat. You know, He's not necessarily in the, in the, in the forefront of your thinking and your thought process. Anybody experienced that before? And, you know, and you're just kind of moving along at your own strength and at your own pace and everything's cool. But then all of a sudden you get hit with a storm. And it might be a storm um, in somebody else's life, a loved one's life. It might be a storm in your, in your own life. Um, you, you might be the storm. You may have ever been in the period of time where you were your own worst enemy. <laughs> you were the storm. You may have been the storm before I have. Praise God. Um, and, but... In that, in that place of storm, in that place of challenge, in that place of weakness, it's really, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity to receive strength. Because I'm here to tell you right now that God wants to, God wants to strengthen you today. He wants to strengthen you this morning. And I believe that God is going to impart His strength to you. And that is available to you at all times. But many times, 
We won't lean on the strength of the Lord until our strength fails. And then when our strength fails, we're brought to a fresh place of humility. I can't say enough about humility. I can't say enough about how important it is um, to, to, to be in a place of dependence, in a place of really of weakness in the hands of Almighty God. Because uh, He is not going to cast you out in your place of weakness. In, your, in fact, your place of weakness is attractive to God, um, if you'll allow that term. How many of His strength is made perfect in your weakness? And your, your weakness never turns God away from you. In fact, as a Savior, as a big, strong, mighty Savior, as a shepherd, he, when He sees you weak, He sees you straying away from the flock. He sees you, um, you know, when He sees that weakness in you, it, it, the, the shepherd inside of Him rises up strong to rescue you. And not to just rescue you, but to fight your enemies. Because there are wolves that would try to hurt you and harm you and steal from you and take from you. And your shepherd, in your place of weakness, he doesn't run from you. He doesn't leave you to the wolves. No, he'll go and find you. He'll go and he'll search you out. And he'll leave the 99 and he'll come. And he'll, he'll come to wherever you are, whatever you've got going on in your life. And he'll find you and he'll rescue you. And he'll beat back the wolves who've tried to devour your mind and your thought processes and your self-worth. And He'll stand for you when you're not strong enough to stand for yourself. He will stand for you. And man, when you know Him in the place of rescue, and you know Him in that place, you just fall in love with Him just a little bit more. Because His faithfulness isn't dependent upon your faithfulness. You know? When the sheep left, and the sheep left the, the fold, and the sheep went and got lost, the sheep wasn't being faithful to the fold. The sheep wasn't being faithful to the shepherd. The sheep wasn't being wise. The sheep wasn't being strong. The sheep was being weak and foolish. And your God is never turned away from you in your place of weakness. And we were taught so incorrectly in man-made religion to think that we had to be perfect and we had to be strong and we had to have everything just right and we had to do everything just right in order for our God to show up on our behalf. And it's not true. It's not true. Your shepherd will seek you out and find you and rescue you and heal you and carry you and those moments, I want you to think about the sheep after it got lost, after it broke its leg, after it went through all the stuff that it went through. I want you to think about the experience that the sheep is having when the sheep is lifted up on the master's shoulders, the shepherd's shoulders, and he's carrying the sheep back to its safe place. Think about the experience of that Sheep, the, the, the experience of the rescue. Don't you think that the bond between the sheep and the shepherd is being strengthened in that moment in a way that it could not be strengthened in any other way? 
In the moment where the sheep isn't even strong enough to carry itself. It's being carried. It's completely helpless. It's in a place of total dependency on the shepherd. There is a, a linking of, the, of trust between the, the sheep and the shepherd that's happening in the moment of the sheep's weakness that can't, be, can't happen any other way. So when the enemy has worked overtime to attack you and to bring a failure into your life, how many know the enemy will set things up? There's something called the evil day in the Scriptures. And, um, and what it is, is it's actually it's revealing a concerted, organized attack on a timeline for the purpose of uh, bringing destruction. And some of us in this room have been through the hardest season of our lives in these past couple of years. And the enemy has worked overtime to try to take you out. But you're still here. And the enemy was unable to stop you. Unable to kill you. Unable to sever you from the Master's love and strength and hands. And even though the enemy may orchestrate evil days, even though the enemy may orchestrate things on this planet, how many know that in our weakness and our failure, we actually have the ability to draw near to the Lord and to be strengthened by the Lord and to be saved by the Lord and to fall in love with Him again? So you fall in love with Him when you experience His salvation. You fall in love with Him when you experience His kindness and His grace and His rescue. That's when you fall in love with Him. So all things work together for your good. Even the, even the failures, even the places where your strength is not enough, it's in those places that your relationship with the Lord is, is deepened and is strengthened. But the key element in the, mo- in the midst of all of those, all the storm and the lack of weakness is you can't stare at yourself. Because if you are focused on you, you will only be aware of your weakness, of your disqualification, of why would God save you? You're the one who got yourself into this mess. Why would God help you? All of these questions happen in the place of being focused on ourselves. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to, he tries to set up a battle, and then he tries to get you staring at yourself. Because if you're staring at yourself, you are limited to your own strength. And when your strength is not enough, then the stage is set for despair, and for depression, and for anger. Oh, why is this happening? And even in the midst of that despair, there can even be a pointed finger towards God. Why are you allowing this to happen, God? What's going on here? And all of those things, those thought processes arise out of being focused on ourselves. And so, listen, it doesn't matter how big the battle is. It doesn't matter how strong the giant is or how how, how much of a mess things have been made. None of those things matter. The only thing that matters is if when you're in the pit, if you'll turn your eyes to the king. 
if you'll turn your eyes to Jesus, if you'll look to your help, and you won't disqualify yourself from being saved. You won't disqualify yourself from receiving rescue because you've made some type of internal case on why you're not worth it, why you're not worthy to be rescued. Or you're making a case on why you are worthy to be rescued. Both are equally wrong. You make a case toward why you're not worthy, you're going to be frustrated. And if you make a case for why you are worthy, you're going to be frustrated. Both those things are looking at you. I mean, you are not called to look at you. When you are in the pit, when you are in the storm, when you've fallen into the ocean, so to speak, the only thing you need is to put your eyes back on Jesus. That's all you need. And as you look at Him, how I many you know, you're going to rise up out of the waves. You're going to rise up out of the water. You're going to rise up out of the situation. And, you know, and you're going to walk back to a place of safety. But just think about the walk. And, and you know, as I'm, I'm preaching this, I'm seeing Peter and Jesus. And, uh, you know, Peter stepped out. He got out on the water. And then the storm came. He got nervous. And he got his eyes off of Jesus. And he started looking at himself. And he started to sink. And all, But all he had to do was, was fix his eyes back on Jesus and reach out a hand. And how many of the Lord going to rescue him? And I want you to think about the walk back to the boat. Peter and Jesus, hand in hand, walking back on the boat. Peter knows the moment he lets go of Jesus' hand, he's sinking again. Peter knows the moment he gets his eyes off of Jesus, he's sinking again. How many know that is a good lesson to learn? Over and over and over and over again. Now, it's not exciting to sink. It's not exciting to fail. But it is a part of your relationship with God and Him rescuing you. And the walk back to the boat with Peter and Jesus, there was, there was a strengthening of their relationship. There was a strengthening of their fellowship. How many know the strength that was forged in Peter's failure would be a strength that he would need later on in his life? If there's anything that, that, that Jesus proved to Peter, it's that like, I'm with you when you fail. You sink, I'm there. You deny me three times, I'm still there. You run your mouth and get ahead of me, I'm still there. Like, I'm always there. And those moments of Him being there, when you don't deserve it, and when you haven't earned it, and when you haven't measured up, to other people's standards or your own standards, those moments of weakness are just the, the absolute, oh, the value of your trust in Jesus. How I many are you going to take that into eternity? I mean, what you go through in this life, it works for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So in your failures and your weaknesses, and when He comes in and He rescues you and He helps you and He strengthens you, there's something, you're learning each other. How I many of y'all, that's learning the easy light yoke of Jesus. He said, come learn of me. How do you learn of Him? You taste His faithfulness in the midst of your failure. 
And if you keep feeding on the faithfulness of God in the midst of your failure, it'll bring you to a place of absolute love and devotion towards Him to where you only want to live for Him. Everything that you, if you can continue to drink in His strength and His faithfulness in the midst of your weakness, it'll bring you to a place of absolute dependence upon Him. Dependence upon His strength, dependence upon His faithfulness. And what, what ends up happening is you will start to overcome the things that once took you out. But as you overcome, you're joined hand in hand with the Lord and you guys are walking on the water together. And you know that you're winning. And you know that you're overcoming. And you know that it's awesome and you're walking on the water and God's doing these things in your life. But you have a fresh awareness of why. Because your hand is joined in His hand and His strength is something that you're receiving. And so when people say, how did you walk on the water? How did you get through that? How did that happen? What was going on in your life? You direct them to Jesus. The same Savior that saved you will save them. Because there's nobody any better than anybody else. And we all need Jesus. And we all need a rescue. And so your life becomes a witness and a testimony to the faithfulness of God. Not the faithfulness of you. You are not the star of your story. You are not the star. If we look at all the characters in the Bible, none of them were the star. Every single one of them messed up. The only person that tried to be the star was Saul. And that's a road you don't want to travel down. And so, your failure and your weakness and your challenges, our challenges, they're all serving us in our relationship with the Lord, and it'll take you into a deeper place of relationship with the Lord. You ever had a time in your life when you were vulnerable with somebody? Like when you opened up, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm going through this. How many know that if you could trust someone enough with your weakness and your failure, and you're vulnerable with them, how many know your relationship with that person just got stronger and deeper? Because they didn't see your best, they saw your worst, but they still believed your best. This is actually what God wants for the body of Christ. He wants the whole body to operate like this. When a piece of my body attacks a piece of my body, how many know there's something wrong there? That's exactly right. And, and unfortunately, the body of Christ has been just wrought with that. I mean, how many know Christians are the... <laughs> who's the number one people who are going to attack you? Christians. <laughs> how many know it's not really the unbelievers so much? I mean, maybe even your life. I don't know. My life, the people that come against me are Christians. They're the people that persecute me. And God wants to turn the body into a place of healing and into a place of fellowship and into a place where we can trust each other with our weaknesses and we can open up and we can be made strong and we can come together. 
But how I many know that does not happen amongst each other if it's not happening with us and God? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? See, how I many know when you have been shown mercy? Yeah, no, it's good. Preach, it's good. It's true. When you've been shown mercy, you'll give mercy. How I many know when you've been shown grace, you'll give grace? And so. Even that dynamic of rescue that God is, is, is placed inside of you and His relationship with you, it's for the purpose of strengthening you and helping you to overcome, but it's also for the purpose of you, when you see other people in their failure and their weakness, rather than attack them, you take that same beautiful covering of love that the Lord put upon you, and then you, you put it upon them. And then, the, I mean, then all of a sudden the body starts to become strong because rather than the body biting and devouring itself, um, it becomes a place of healing and a place of strength. Amen? And, and so these moments of failure, these moments where your strength is too great, they're actually beautiful moments. And I know they're scary moments, and I know they're not fun moments, but they're beautiful moments. Because if you can, number, and once again, you got to quit looking at you. Okay, get an amen on not looking at you. Like, don't, don't look, don't bring your little lists of, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, well, I did this, and I did that, and I did that. Oh, but I didn't do that. Oh, but I said that. Oh, but, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but. See, if I'm staring at me, all I can bring forth is the strength of Jeremiah. And the strength of Jeremiah is not enough to get anything done. And so, the only thing you have to do is look back at the Lord. How do we look back at the Lord? Well, you got to look at the cross. you got to look at the cross. How many of you know that the cross successfully took care of all your sin? Successfully. And so, as a child of God, as a born-again child of God, no matter what failure you experience, no matter what lack of strength happens in your life, no matter what storm you go through, it's not greater than the cross. And what Jesus did on the cross is He has provided for you an eternal forgiveness and a new identity. And, he, and that is never going to be taken away from you. See, we, 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 we've taught the gospel as if it was a band-aid that fell off and we had to keep reapplying it. And uh, salvation is stronger than a band-aid. It doesn't have to be reapplied weekly or daily or moment by moment. No, if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, I mean, you're a new creation. You have a new identity. Amen? And so what will help you get your eyes off of you, is to look at the part of you that has been made one with God. I mean, oh, your spirit, born again, one with Christ. Can you get an amen? In your spirit, you're one with Christ. Now, how I many you know, with your mind, you can still make mistakes. With your thoughts, you can still make mistakes. With your hands, you can still make mistakes. But your spirit has been joined to the Lord. So, don't get caught up at staring at the trail of your flesh. 
Don't get caught up at staring at the trail of other people's flesh. Um, set your affection on things above. Set your affection... See, because the one thing the enemy can't do is he can't undo the cross. He failed. His game is over. He can't undo the cross. And so all of your salvation and God's faithfulness to you is based upon the finished work of the cross. And so the enemy can't undo that. So when I received, when I was you know, 19, 20 years old, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, when I received Jesus as Lord and Savior into my life, how I many know that the victory of the cross was placed in me? I'm going to heaven. You know what I'm saying? I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven man. I'm blessed, right? That has nothing to do with me. Can I get an amen? Nothing to do with you, but it's the Lord. But when you receive that finished work of the cross, that eternal work has been placed within you. The enemy can't unravel that. He, he, can't, he can't untie that. The only thing he can try to do is convince you that he has. And if he can convince you that he has, then you're staring at you more than you're staring at Jesus. And that is the fight of faith. That's what we're always facing. Am I going to stare at me or am I going to stare at the Lord? I mean, you know, man-made religion and legalism makes you very self-conscious. Stare at you. Look at you. What are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? What do you need to do more? You, 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 you. Christianity is not a self-help class. This is not a self-help class. This is not. It's a rescue. You, are, you have been rescued. And you will continue to be rescued. The Lord said, I am with you to deliver you. Because your enemies are always going to be too strong for you. But they will never be too strong for me. I will always be stronger than your enemies. And I will always stand with you. And I will always be with you. But your enemies will always be stronger than you. There's always been enemies that were too strong. I mean, the giants, too strong. Children of Anak, too strong. Philistines, too strong. How many, depression, too strong. Come on, brother, preach. Financial lack, too strong. On, Sickness, too strong. Death, too strong. On, Anger, too strong. You have not been called to conquer anything by yourself. Yeah. Nothing. You can't conquer yourself by yourself. You can't conquer anything. You have been created in a state of helplessness just like a sheep would. A sheep is, you know. You're in a state of helplessness. Now, me saying all that is not saying that you should live your life helpless and getting your butt kicked every single day over and over again, doormat Christianity, suffer, 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 only suffer and no victory. That's not scriptural. No. God's called you to overcome. Revelations uh, 3.20, Jesus speaking, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my, with my Father on His throne. Revelation 3.12 He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write 
on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. <laughs> These are the promises to, to those that overcome. So you're, I mean, you know, you're called to overcome, but you're not called to overcome in your own strength. And that's, and that's the issue. So all you got to do is be weak, <laughs> put your eyes on Jesus, receive His strength, and then be made strong in Him. Just like Peter walked on the water with Jesus hand in hand back to the boat. Just like David said, I have set the Lord always before my face. He upholds me with the right hand of His righteousness. Living your life independence upon the Lord will make you strong. Because see, God has things in 2023 that He wants to speak to you. That He wants to say to you in His still small voice and the leading of His Spirit that's going to that's take you around a storm. That's going to take you around a battle. That's going to prevent you from fighting battles in your own strength. You have an inside route from Almighty God to speak to you and tell you how to navigate this year. I believe with all my heart that there are that new things are going to arise this year. God, the way God's doing things, God's going to do things totally different this year. And you can't go back to the religious pattern in order to walk the place that God is taking you to. How many know we can get into patterns? So easy to do. We're creatures of habit. This is what we do. We do this, and then we do this, and then we do this. And that's cool. you got to have order. you got to have these things. But how many know that when the book of Acts happened and Pentecost fell, all their patterns of religious worship were out the window, and they were in the streets speaking languages that, 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 that people heard and knew, knew that they were glorifying God in. Nobody understood what was going on, but how many know God was doing a new thing? And it was powerful, but nobody had a roadmap. Nobody had a, a pattern. Nobody knew what to do. So you know what they had to do? They had to be dependent upon their relationship with the Lord, and they were led by God, and they, they turned the whole world upside down. And how many know the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former? God's not going to kick this thing off and have it be greater than how He wraps it up. He's going to wrap it up greater than how He started it. And so I believe that this year, God's going to do new things. He's going to do things in a different way. Do, you, do I know what they are? No, I don't. <laughs> I know good things are going to happen. I know darkness is going to be put down. I know that there's going to be healing and there's going to be deliverance and there's going to be uh, financial miracles, and there's going to be relationship miracles. And I mean, I know, I know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, and I don't know how He's going to do it. But I do know that that place of dependency and that place of relationship will set the stage for great things to happen. Amen? And so your failure doesn't have to be a closed vault in a pit. How I many you know over and over again you're called to arise out of the ashes? You're called to, to change your strength. Y'all tracking me here? And that place of weakness 
sets the stage for your dependence upon the Lord, which will set the stage for your relationship with the Lord so that God can lead you through this year to overcome, not in your strength, but in His strength. Okay, get an amen. God, God wants you uh, to win. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through Him that has loved us. More than conquerors, right? So you're called to conquer this year. But you're not going to be called, uh, you're not going to do it in your own strength. You're going to do it in His strength. Can I get an amen? And that's His plan for your life. But how many know that in order for you to do that, you, number one, how many know it, you need to recognize your place of weakness? Just be honest and be vulnerable and be real. How many know that's a good place to be? When we try to put on a, a, a mask or a facade or... How many of you can come to God and, and not come to Him in a, in a genuine place? You know, just like that song. That, you know, I'm sorry that I went through all the motions. I'm sorry. You know, that, that type of stuff. That's kind of like a song of repentance because um, you can get away with just go, kind of going through the motions. But here's the thing. You can't do that when, you, when you're in a place of weakness. You can't do that when you're, when you're facing the Red Sea. You can't do that when you're facing something bigger than you. I mean, you can't, you can't. <laughs> and so I say all that to say this, that place of weakness and that place of failure is a place of preparation for you to receive God's strength and to get back to a heart-to-heart relationship with the Lord. I mean, sometimes we don't come to God until we just don't have any other options. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, I wish we were better than that. <laughs> but we're these sheep, you know what I'm saying? And we just get on, we just do our thing, you know? And, and like, we just, and then all of a sudden, like, we've been galloping and we look around and ain't nobody else around us and we're scared and all this stuff. And, 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 but those moments of failure, they're important moments because there's something beautiful that happens in that place. How I many of King David saw it over and over again? He saw his own strength fail over and over again. Over and over again, armies were around him. Over, how many of you know, people were coming against David and attacking him? And then how many of you know, David, David was his own worst enemy as well? You know? And, and we, we, we see that, but we see God's faithfulness to him, and we see a relationship forged between David and God. This is beautiful. David got to where he grew dependent upon the Lord's rescue. How many of you know David knew God's gonna, God's gonna rescue me? How many of you know you should develop that same attitude? Has the Lord rescued you? Has He not rescued you over and over again? And, and so, like, He has rescued you and He's gonna continue to rescue you. And, and that place of rescue it's an important place. David actually developed a confidence in it. I mean, he wrote entire psalms about God rising up as a mighty warrior and coming to rescue him. Amen? And so we can count on that. We can be confident in that. Now let's turn to Isaiah 40, please. And I want to talk about this specific place of receiving his strength. And um, praise God. It's so... And once again... His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Just like, I'll drink this communion. 
How many of this cup's emptiness is what makes room for it to be filled? Your weakness is what makes room for God to fill you with His strength. And, and Paul said it, and I'll quote this, we won't go there, but Paul said, my grace, Jesus speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmity. Paul's like, I'm going to brag about my weakness, not my strength. I'm going to boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me, may, may overshadow me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses. For Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When my cup is empty, He fills it up. I mean, Paul got a hold of this. And, and so much so that even in a prison, he could sing praises to God. Because... He didn't see the prison as being the limiting factor of his life. He knew that God was greater than the prison. And so I say all of that to say a couple things. Number one, don't condemn yourself for weakness. If you condemn yourself for weakness, you've become a judge rather than a receiver. And because God designed you with weakness. How many of these are earthen vessels? Right? That the treasure and the power may be of God and not of us. Don't condemn yourself in your moments of weakness. Don't get too focused on yourself in your moments of weakness. <laughs> Lift up your eyes. You ever worshipped God out of a place of weakness? It's a different kind of worship. Like you're just so thankful and grateful that you're saved. And just like your heart is just overflowing with gratitude. How many of you know, that's different than when everything in your life is going kind of good and you're just singing? Y'all done both? I have. And man, I tell you what, in that place of like, you're in that place of weakness and God comes in and God fills you up with His strength. Man, there's a closeness to the Lord that you don't get on the sunny mountaintop days. And so, like, all these things work together for our good. Amen? And, and, and so, weakness is an opportunity for God's strength. Okay? Yeah, I, just, I keep saying it over and over again, but I want because I really want you to get a hold of it. Weakness is an opportunity for God's strength. So, if you're, if, listen, if you feel empty, good news. God's going to fill you up. God's going to fill you up if you feel empty. Amen? But the beginning place of that cup being filled is humility. You say, God, I cannot do this, but you can. God, I, I need you. Amen? And, and that's, where, that's the place where the stage is set for you to actually receive the Lord's strength. And, and in, in Isaiah 40, this is a passage prophetically talking about where someone's in it, where we're in a place of weakness where we're receiving strength. It says, Has you, have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? 
There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. God's in the business of strengthening his people. Even the youth, youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. I mean, I was talking about personal strength, right? But it says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word renew means to change. You're operating in your strength and you unhook from your strength in your place of failure and humility and you hook into His strength and then He makes you strong. And then what used to be a giant, you just step on and walk right through. But the battle is not with the giant. The battle is not with the storm. The battle is, are you going to trust in yourself or are you going to trust in the Lord? Because that's where the victory is at. If you trust in yourself, how many of the giants are going to kick your butt? But if you trust in the Lord and yield and receive that strength, how many know you're going to win? You're going to overcome. How you know Caleb and Joshua? Receive strength. And how many of y'all, they took the promised land. The giants weren't strong enough. The, 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 the children of Anak, the people of the cities, all these things, they weren't strong enough. Joshua and Caleb received strength. And listen to me. How many of y'all, it didn't matter how old they were. Come on, man. That's why it says the youth's strength shall fail in that passage. So, much, so many times we, we, we place such value on youth. And, and I love young people. I mean, I, my, my focus, I just love young people. But the type of strength that it's going to take to overcome, and, to, and it, it's greater than man's strength. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. I will trust in the, li- in, in the name of the living God. Not by my, not, nor by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. And Caleb, I believe was 85, and he said, I'm as strong today as I was when I first spied out the land. And he said, don't just give me the land. Give me the mountain with the giants on it. He said, I don't want to just conquer the land. I want to conquer the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to Caleb? He got a hold of something. Yeah. What were the things that Joshua and Caleb got a hold of? This is what, this is the, only thing, the only difference between them and the other ten spies is this. He said, if the Lord delights in us, we will overcome. The, the giants, they are bred for us. If the Lord delights in us. See, your understanding of the Lord's delight in you will help you to not stay self-focused when you've fallen and when you've messed up and when you're in the pit. You'll get caught up in the Lord's delight in you rather than you getting caught up in your hatred of yourself and your behavior. It's what separates the champions from the non-champions in the kingdom. It's the only thing. No man has ever done anything for God in his own strength. Ever. And so there are those that believe the Lord delights in them, and there are those that do not. And see, the only way you're really going to believe the Lord delights in you is if you get a hold of the way the Lord sees you. How many know you're clean? You're righteous. You're holy. You're beloved. You're awesome. 
Now, your flesh, no. The carnal mind, no. Sometimes your behavior, no. But who you are is awesome. You know, when I look at my kids, I see awesome. That's all I see, man. Good days, bad days, poopy diapers, tantrums, quick left hooks by Lily. <laughs> Lily, Lily just whack you, man. I mean, God love her. We're trying to teach her how to be a lady, but man, she just trying to take over, man. She be thumping Eli sometimes, don't she? You know, Eli he handles himself well. He restrains himself well. But like. Because of my love for my children, even their mistakes are endearing to me. Even like their shortcomings and their failures, because like, I love them. I love them because of who they are, not because of what they do. And that's my tiny little, my tiny little love, which is nothing compared to God's love that He has for you, Right? So, you understanding that the Lord delights in you is what's going to set the stage for you to receive a strength that's beyond your strength so that you can go in and you can take that mountain and you can slay those giants in the name of the Lord. Everybody here, you've got a mountain and you've got giants. And it's not, most of the time it's not, I mean, many times it's not external, it's internal. The giants that you're facing, the things that you're dealing with. But if you can just get a hold of the fact that the Lord delights in you, then, you, then you'll know that God will be with you in the battle. Caleb, he marched right up to the mountain. I love Caleb. Like he, he went he said, give me the city that's got all the giants. Give me Hebron. Give me the mountain with all the giants. I want, I want to take them out. He was the oldest dude there. And so I say that to say that you don't have to be strong. Listen, folks, you don't really have to have anything for God to use you. Like, in fact, the less you have, the better off you are. The emptier your cup is. And that doesn't mean that you don't have your own strengths and your own giftings, all of those things God gave you as well. But there's a, there's a, a, a place of humility and weakness where we can receive this strength. And then we can do what he talked to us about in Revelations, we can overcome. Can I get an amen? We can overcome. We can win. We can, um, we can tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Amen? But the, the Lord delights in you. And I mean, no, you're not going to understand the Lord delights in you unless you understand the cross was a success and the gospel was true. If you think you're still, you still got sin and you're a sinner and you're bad and God wants to punish you and God's against you, you're not going to have a hard time believing God delights in you. You won't. You're going to be sitting in the corner with self-righteous rags of man's righteousness trying to scrub yourself so that you can come to the celebration party with everybody else. And the whole time, God's like, I have a garment that I want to put on your shoulders, a robe of righteousness. I'm not interested in your ability to clean yourself up. How I many the Bible says a man's righteousness is his filthy rags? He said, no, 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 just come and get this garment and come to the wedding feast. Can I get an amen? And there's a confidence that comes out of that. So understanding the gospel, understanding that the Lord delights in you, 
is going to set the stage for you to receive strength, for you to go into the promised land, and for you to overcome. Because God wants to change your strength in the season that we're in. God wants to strengthen you and make you strong in His strength. That's always His will for you. That's always His desire for you because He loves you. And it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Strength coming to you. And, 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 and you have to understand, God's always been in the business of strengthening His kids. How I many you know that, that the Lord strengthened Jesus? You see a time where Jesus is weak and the Lord sends an angel to strengthen Him. Luke 22 and verse 43, it says, Then an angel appeared to Him from heaven, strengthening Him. Even Jesus had a period of time where He needed to be strengthened. How I many you know after John the Baptist uh, died and lost his head, Jesus went away and prayed. He needed to be strengthened. He needed um, a fresh strength from the Lord. God strengthened him. Amen? How I many of y'all, there were times when, uh, when God uh, strengthened Paul. We'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, Paul speaking here, he said, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So, how I many you know sometimes your strength is not going to come from the people around you? Sometimes your strength is going to come purely from the Lord. And those are special and important times in the development of your relationship. You know, just like with my kids, like, you know, there's going to come a time in Ethan's life when I can't fix what he's dealing with. His mom can't fix it. He can't fix it. How I many of you know it's in that place where he needs to encounter his God? Not his dad's God, not his mom's God, his God. Because, you know, he, you know, there's that transition. You know, there's a time when you're young and you're kind of floating with your, in your parents' relationship with the Lord and, and, and that's good. It should be that way. But there comes this point where you're, you're stepping into being a man or being a woman and, and you're, you're, you, know, you, you got the mantle in your hand and you're like, where is the God of Elijah? You know, where is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And there's a, there's a, there's a place where God is going to prove Himself strong to Ethan apart from his family. And, that, and for everybody else in here as well. And how many know those are important moments? What brings him to that place? His weakness. You know, as a young, as a young person, a lot of times, you know, at least when you're really young, you know, just like my kids. It's so funny, man. It was. This is the perspective of children. All right. Stacy was encouraging Eli the other day. He was like, Eli, you know, you can, you know, because. We watched this show called Xavier Riddle in the Secret Museum, and it's where they show like kids who were changed the world and became adults and blah blah blah. And so Stacy's like, Eli, someday you can change the world. And Eli was, and this is Eli's response. He's like, I like the world. I don't want to change it. I'm good. <laughs> he was like, just matter of fact, as I'll get up. I would I'll change the world. The world's great. 
And, and for him, it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's got this safe little cocoon of, he has no idea what's going on out here. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's his perspective. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's the way he sees things. I thought, well, praise God, I never thought about that. Because <laughs> we're all like, the world must change. we got to change the world, you know? Kids are so funny. Amen. I'm not even sure why I told that. Does anybody know? <laughs> okay. No, I was actually, no. I, I know now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But like, in Eli's little world, he's not dealing with that. But how many know there's going to come a time when he's going to find out what the world's really like? Just like Ethan has, you know, gotten to the place where he understands what the world is really like. And so, Eli right now does not have necessarily a reason to call upon the name of the Lord in the midst of his weakness. Which is a good thing. But as you get older, how I many know you come to find out you don't got what it takes? But the Lord does. And so there's these moments in everybody's life when we call upon the name of the Lord and the Lord rescues us and the Lord strengthens us. And how many know when that happens for Ethan, that's going to deepen his relationship with the Lord greater than what I could have provided for him. And he's had moments like this already in his life. But as you become an adult and stuff like that, it just it gets more and more. But those are, those are, those are important moments. Uh, God wants to regularly strengthen us and God wants to regularly be there for us, right? And so... First John chapter five, please. Just got a couple, just a couple more places and we close. So, we want to take a look at how we receive strength. Amen. We know that we're very aware of the fact our strength is not enough, and we're also very aware of the fact that our God is is Almighty and all powerful. And then we've been looking at the fact where God wants to bring strength into our lives in our place of weakness. Now, from a practical sense, we've been talking about, I stop looking at myself, and I start looking to the Lord, right? And, um, but I want to I wanna put a magnifying glass on that and get cl- as we close here and take a look at what that looks like in a practical sense, okay? 1 John chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, Who is he who overcomes the world be he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the beginning point of overcoming the world is getting born again. That's, that's, that's the number one place. Because when you get born again, God places Himself on the inside of you. You become a new creation. And so the stage is set for you to overcome the world. How I many you, know, you can't overcome the world if you're not born again. You just can't. You're just not capable of it. How I many of you know, people of the world can experience some level of success? But how I many you know just because someone has a level of success don't mean they're happy? I'll tell you, some of the most miserable people on this planet are in Hollywood. Some of the most miserable people on earth. I mean, if you just every once in a while they'll get candid and talk a little bit and you can hear it, those people are they're not in a good spot, man. Even though they're worshipped, I mean, a lot many of them they're set up as idols. And the enemy uses them to try to draw attention and all these types of things, but um, it, it, it's not a good place. You know, when, when, you, when you hunger for fame in order to have value, you will always be living your life through other people's eyes. 
Amen. And so thank God that we didn't you know, necessarily choose that route. And I believe God's going to save many of those people. But the beginning of overcoming is being born again. And then we, we back up to the verse right before that. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. Here's the victory. Our faith. Now, um, faith has been taught incorrectly quite a bit, and so we have to talk about this here for just a moment. You, your, your faith is not what makes you strong. Okay? Jesus <laughs> makes you strong. Your faith is the window that you see Jesus through. Okay? And uh, a great example of this, if we're looking out that window right there and we see a beautiful sunset, how I many you know the sunset is what I'm focused on? The window is just what allows me to see the sunset. How I many know the last thing I'd want to do in the midst of a beautiful sunset is just stare at the window pane? Just look at the window pane and like, how clean is it? Is this, what is it, you know, just staring at the window pane. And, and, and so, much, so much of the body of Christ in times past, they've been so caught up in their window pane. They've been so caught up in their faith that they lost sight of the reason that they had faith, which was to simply see Jesus, right? We've seen people brag about their faith. I have great faith and, you know, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. I have powerful faith and... And um, that is not scriptural. The whole reason that God gave us faith is so we couldn't brag. Faith was given so you can't boast. You know, I can't brag about something I didn't earn and I didn't deserve and I just received as a gift. That's what faith does. Faith just receives a gift. And so for me to say, I have great faith and my faith is awesome, it's like, it's really unfortunate because once again, you know what that causes you to do? Look at yourself. That's it. And if you're staring at yourself, you're not going to be able to receive strength from the Lord because you're going to be trying to generate your own strength. So we tried so hard to have faith. And man, I mean, like, we tried hard, bro. Like, I was there. I mean, I was, you know, we were, I was in, you know, it, you know, probably four services a week. Our, our services would be three and four hours. Um, all we did was we were in church all the time. We were in church so much we didn't have time to do anything else. We didn't have time to live, and uh, we, we studied our Bibles like crazy, listened to teaching like crazy, and the whole time, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, now initially I was focused on Jesus, because that's the only way you get saved, is come to Jesus as you are, but then eventually, like, I'm, you know, 12, 14 years in this thing, and the only, th only thing on my mind is me, and how big my faith is, or how little my faith is, and how I wish my faith was like somebody else's faith. And I went around trying to buy faith, <laughs> you know, and all these, all this, you know, just giving money so that I would have more faith and all this stuff that's just not scriptural whatsoever. And, um, but it really hijacked a good portion of the body of Christ for a long time, man. So much so that now a lot of times when people talk about faith, they have a bad taste in their mouth towards it and they have a hard time with it because they know, they, they knew what a pain it was to be focused on them. See, the worst thing is when you're going through a trial and a storm and all hell's breaking loose and, and you think God's not moving on your behalf because you don't have enough faith. That's the worst place in the world to be because not only are you going through a trial and a storm in a place of weakness, 
Now you feel like God, God won't help you because you don't got enough faith chips. So you know what that does to you? It makes you even more miserable. Because you're like, all this hell's breaking loose in my life, and the reason it's breaking loose in my life isn't because God's not awesome. It's because I'm, I suck so bad at this Christianity thing. <laughs> and my faith is so bad, and I can't, I just want faith like somebody else, but I don't have faith like that, so I got my crappy faith, and this guy's like, I can't do nothing with that, man. So, sorry. You're in the pit. And, and what's happened is, we're so focused on ourselves that we've actually frustrated faith. And we've made it something more complicated than in what it was supposed to be. God gave us faith so it would be easy. How do you get faith? Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. When you get born again, God deposits faith on the inside of you. You have Jesus' faith on the inside of you. You're not trying to get more faith. You're not trying to develop your faith. Faith is inside of you. But the issue is, what are you focused on? Are you staring at you? your good deeds and your bad deeds, or are you looking to Jesus? See, when people saw Jesus in His grace, faith arose on the inside of them and they just received. I mean, everybody that got healed in Jesus' ministry, none of them were born again. None of them were righteous. All of them were spiritually dead. And Jesus was healing people left, right, and sideways all the time. And how many of those people were sinning? Yes, they were sinning. They, were, they, they weren't born again. They weren't perfect people. But, but, but what happened was, the hero came, and he saved the people that needed to be saved. That's really how faith works. Jesus is the hero. He's the Savior. And He rescues you. Your only part is to focus on him, him and His rescue. Him and His delight in you. Him and His love for you. Him and His amazing grace for you. Towards you. And then, your outstretched hand receives what He's providing. Oh, and you know what it looks like? Trust. Trust. See, I was taught faith so much that it ceased to be an element, it ceased to be a relationship dynamic. And it became a, a concept of trying to buy things from, from heaven with the currency of faith, with my faith chips. Building up my faith chips so I can cash them in and get a blessing. And so rather than having a relationship with God, it was transactional. It was a formula. And, and uh, it left me frustrated, left everyone around us frustrated. We were all frustrated because we were frustrating grace. But the truth is that what, what faith actually is, is trust. And, 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 and I know that people can get hung up on the, uh, the mechanics of words and, and what different words mean. But the bottom line of your relationship with God is that you're trusting Him to rescue you. Are y'all tracking me here? You're trusting Him to bring a rescue. And if I'm trusting God to bring a rescue into my life, and I'm down, then my posture of faith is help. <laughs> help me. 
and I'm looking at him. Help me. Y'all tracking me here? And there are times when there's a passage of time as you await on the deliverance of the Lord. How many of us through faith and patience you inherit the promises? How many know that your, your miracles is not a microwavable miracle? It's not like you don't, how many know you don't do things on your own timeline? And so there's this period of me trusting him with an outstretched hand of humility and weakness and love and adoration towards my Savior. And this is a relationship. This is not a transaction of faith coins. This is I've fallen and I can't get up and I need your help. And God, through the simplicity and the beauty of the dynamic of faith and grace, comes in to rescue you over and over and over again. And there are times when the rescue, I'm not even going to say that because it's not true. There are t- I was going to say there are times when the rescue is on your timeline. <laughs> it's never on your timeline. Never. It's on, how many of the times and the seasons are in the Father's hands? And so there's a period of time when you are trusting God to rescue you or your child or your child's child or some aspect of your life where you're waiting on the promise. And it looks like God is a liar. And the word is not true in your life. And that is the fight of faith. Am I going to trust God? Or am I going to accuse God? Am I going to trust God? Or am I going to condemn myself? Or am I going to look at somebody else and compare my life to theirs? You know? Like Angie got up and testified. Had the, um, was it the growth? Yeah, growth totally disappeared. Michelle got up, testified, totally back, totally healed. Someone else shared a testimony with me here recently too. I can't remember who it was. but And so... How many know that the birth of Isaac is different in everybody's life and different timetable? And there are things that are changed immediately and there are things that take time. But if you can stay in the dynamic of trust and relationship with the Lord through the process of your own weakness and your own failure, when you come out and you come out on the other side after having received His strength, your relationship with God is going to be deeper and truer and more real than what it was before you failed before the storm. Y'all tracking me here? So there's nothing this world can throw at you that's greater than your God. Amen? But the issue, the issue is what are you focusing on? Who are you looking at? And so we're closing right here. In the days ahead, let's draw near to the Lord, guys. Let's draw near to the Lord. And uh, let's draw near to the Lord in a place of relationship, in a place of fellowship. Let's draw near to the Lord in a place of worship. 
Let's draw near to the Lord. That is the one thing that's in your court. That's the one thing that's in your court. See, God will never force you to draw near to Him. Oops. How I many of you know the circumstances will force you <laughs> into a position of weakness to where you, you, you need to draw near to Him? Y'all tracking me with that? But it's your choice whether you draw near or not. And here's the thing. Everything does not want you renewing your strength. The enemy wants to keep you weak. He wants to keep you frail. He wants to keep you, listen to me, distracted, entertained on everything but what gives you life. We live in the greatest age of distraction that I have ever seen in my life. Like, and so like, we make a decision out of weakness, out of humility to draw near. So man, God, I need help. And so that's where the ball is in your court. And listen, that looks different for everybody here. Never pattern your relationship with God after somebody else. Never compare yourself to somebody else. Never do that. Because God is a big enough God to have a unique individual relationship with every single person in here. And so what your relationship with God looks like may look different than somebody else's relationship with God. See, back in the legalistic days, we would always compare our relationship with God to the pastor's relationship with God. You know, the pastor, man, you know, he's, he's up 3 a.m. Praying, you know, praying for three hours before the day starts and this and that and this and that and this and that. And, and, and what would happen was his relationship with God would be deified. We would worship his relationship with God and we were the mere, we were the mere peons who could never live up to his relationship with God or have the faith that he had. Man, that, that's not the reason that Jesus came and died. Jesus didn't come and die so you could have your relationship with God through somebody else. There is, there's no go-between anymore. There's no mediator between God and man. Yes, there are pastors and leaders, but folks, the, the job of a pastor and leader for New Testament church points you to Jesus so you have your own relationship. So you can hear God for yourself. You hear God for you better than anybody else does. Now, you'll hear God speak out of people's mouths and you'll hear God confirm the things that are on the inside of you, but God wants a personal relationship with you. And so you can't compare your relationship with somebody else. So don't do that. But I would say open your heart to allow God to bring you into new places of relationship in 2023. Allow Him to develop something new in your life. And how many know that many times these things happen uh, just through habits? I don't know about you guys, I'm a creature of habit. I got certain things that I just do all the time. And uh, if you can get your habits healthy, you'll get your direction healthy. Now this is where I'm kind of putting the ball back in your court a little bit. I've been preaching the gospel and telling the good news and, um, and that's the primary portion of it. But, but how many of y'all think that you might be able to develop a new habit of relationship with God in 2023? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's getting up a little bit early, earlier and spending a little bit of time in the Word, a little bit of time in prayer. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, committing to worshiping while you're in the car and you're driving. I mean, we're busy. It's a busy world. And, uh, but there's enough manna for you. But, but, but the, the issue is, is just humbling yourself 
and, and asking God, what does that look like for you? Because there's strength that God wants to give you this year that's not going to come any other way but relationship with Him. Not relationship with the people around you, and certainly the people around you, you should, be, should be strengthening you, but just like Paul, the Lord stood with him and strengthened him, and God wants to bring a strength into your life that's greater than the challenges ahead. I do believe this year is going to be the greatest year for the church. I do believe that God's going to, we're going to have an outpouring this year. I do believe that we're going to have a major, major awakening. But at the same time, I do believe all hell is going to break loose on the earth. I think things are going to get tough. Um, I think things are going to get tough in a lot of different ways. But they're not tough for, for the purpose of destroying it. See, what's going to happen is things are going to be set in order. There's going to be things that come and things that happen and things are going to be set in order. I believe that the challenges that we're going to face this year are, are, are not just like a... It's not just a storm, but, but how many know that, they're, that when a child is born, they got to go through the birthing canal? The birthing canal is a constricted, challenging place for both mama and child. Some, like some of the women said, amen. Hallelujah. But the, that pressurized moment is for the purpose of bringing forth newness to life. And I believe that the pressurized moments that are going to hit the, hit the world this year are going to, be a, it's going to be a birthing place. Things are going to be set right. Things are going to be turned around. Justice is going to happen. God's going to pour out blessing into His people's lives. I mean, you know, this year is going to be your year of greatest blessing that you've ever known. Yes. You cannot... Look to the world to determine your trajectory. God always pours out His blessing in times of famine. He always does. Look at the way He does things. There, how many times have there been famine in Scriptures? Over and over and over again. And you know who comes out on top? God's people. Every single time. There's not one time when there wasn't famine that hit the earth that God's people didn't end up on top. And in, in positions of power and positions of control. Come on, man. There, there's tremendous opportunity for us this year. Amen? And so, but, but, but really, bring it back into a place of simplicity. Relationship. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Do what He tells you to do. Amen? Amen. Cool. Father, we just, uh, we thank You and praise You. Lord, I just love You. Gosh. Thank You. Thank You. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Lord, I just I thank you for, for these people, Lord. I'm honored to be a leader in their lives. Those that are here, those that are watching online. And Lord, I just, I just pray that this year that they would draw closer to you than they've ever drawn in their entire lives and that they would be made strong with your strength, that your hand would be upon their lives, your hand would be upon their families, your hand would be upon their marriages, their finances, the health of their bodies, their relationships, their businesses, their jobs. I thank you, Lord God, that you exalt your people in this season. 
And I thank you, Lord, that we don't, we don't get caught up in the wind and the waves. We don't get caught up with the things that are happening in the world. We take our attention and our focus and we put it on you. And we receive the strength that overcomes the world. We overcome this year because of your strength. Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you that you visit each one of them. and You show them this new chapter of fellowship, this new chapter of relationship. Jesus is knocking at the door, wanting to come in and sup with you, wanting to eat with you, wanting to fellowship with you. Some of us, we've lost those places of fellowship. We've lost that place of intimacy. We're just going through the motions. We're doing what we know is the right thing to do just because we know it's right. But in our hearts, we've lost that place of intimacy. And God is restoring that place of intimacy for you. God is rescuing you. God has sought you out. He's found you. He's wiped the sweat from your brow. He's dried the tears from your eyes. He's rubbed your tired and weary shoulders. He's come to serve you. Gird it with the garment of a servant. He's come to wash your feet. Your king has come to strengthen you. Because we're making ready for the days ahead. We're making ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're making ready for the return of Jesus Christ. We're making ready for the restitution of all things. Lord, I thank You that You give us ears to hear, eyes to see. I would say this to You, Lord. Whatever You want us to do in this church, we'll do it. Whatever it is. There's no ego here. There's no jockeying for position. There's none of that. None of that's here. We're family. We love each other. And Lord, I say to You, whatever You want me to do, I'll do it. Just tell me. All I need is for you to tell me. And Lord, I think it's the same in their lives. Whatever you want them to do with their businesses, whatever you want them to do on their jobs, whatever you want them to do, Lord, they have eyes to see and ears to hear. We don't lean upon our own strength. We lean upon your strength. We need your direction. We need your voice. We need your wisdom. We need your salvation. We need your strength. We need you, Jesus. We invite you. We welcome you. Come into the place of our weakness. Come into the place of our failure. Come into the place. You're not ashamed of us, and we're not ashamed of ourselves. We were created to be rescued. We were created to be delivered. Lord, I thank you that in the days ahead, we come to know a relationship with You unlike anything that we've ever known for the entire time that we've been on this planet. They that know their God will be strong and do exploits. They that know their God. They that know their God. Know their God. The knowing is the most important thing. So Lord, I thank You that by Your Spirit, you create pathways of habits in our daily lives to where we would meet with you. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Yes, it was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can. 
Will you say it into the mic? But people on people online want to hear what you guys say. Come on, girl. This is this is we're like our church is like Phil Donahue, you know. Like at, towards the end, we walk around with the mic. And <laughs> we got things to say. Go ahead. Bambi will get it. There you go. Okay. Share your heart. Come on. Well, a couple weeks ago, the word that was given to me was the refiner's fire. And, you know, like when a diamond is being created, it's the stress and the pressure and it creates the clarity and it creates out of all of that junk, it creates a diamond, something special. Yeah. So like what I was reminded of is when I'm going through, you know, the junk that I'm going through is out of that desperation when I turn to him He's going to turn all of that trial and all of the stress and the heartache, and he's going to turn it all into something beautiful, Come on. which will be an addition to my testimony, which Come is on. powerful to other people. That's right. But anyway, so it's just kind of what I was told a couple of weeks ago is falling in line with what you're saying. Cause it's good. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. It's good. Thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. Anybody else? Yeah. We, well, someone, would you take care of the mic or have someone? Yeah. Let's share here for a little bit. Yeah, man. So, uh, I don't know how this thing, is it on? Yeah, just okay. put it close to you. So, uh, yeah. during praise and worship today, <clears throat> it was just really, really beautiful to, to me. I, we were praising and worshiping, and the Lord was like, I heard it, and I giggled, and it was like, dance with me. Hmm. And I was like, Jesus, Jesus. And he goes, I call your name too. Come on. He calls our name. Mm. You know, we call for him and we're saying him and we're saying him, but our father, our king calls your name. Come on, come on. And, um, and, and it was just like, dance with me. Mm. Come. And he wants us to like renew our strength mm-hmm. and be an overcomer, you know, He's calling your name to strengthen us and to dance with him. Come on. And it was just really, really beautiful. And I just felt it like for everybody here. It's not something, oh, he said to Connie. It's to his body. Come on. To his bride. That's good. Because that call to dance is a call to relationship. And to delight. Yes. The delightness in him, you know, yes. when we're dancing with him and we're praising him, it says in the Bible, when you rejoice, you're spinning around like a top is what that means. You Come are, on. you know, a party. Yes. With God. Yes. That's yes. awesome. I'm hungry for that. <laughs> Me too. I'm hungry Amen. for that. But, Not you know, in order for there daily. <laughs> yeah. In order for us to do that, we're going to have to become less self-conscious. And we're going to have to get real caught up in him and just let him do what he wants to do. I mean, there's a place of relationship with the Lord that's filled with joy. And we've been talking about joy, and I'm on joyous strength. Amen? So that's, that's good. Would you hand her the mic or somebody hand her the mic, please? Thank you. Just put it close to you. Is it on or no? Is you turn it off? Oh yeah, click on the button. 
There's a little button on there. You'll see it. There you go. Okay. Fill the screen and put it close to you. All right. Uh, yeah, good job. No, what I was, I, it was really interesting what you were saying because I had Put the exact, mic close to you. All the quiet I talkers had, never want to put the mic close to them. <laughs> okay. I had exactly the same experience, maybe like about a month. I just saw Jesus at one point. He was saying exactly the same thing, holding out his hand wow. and saying, dance with me, come and dance with me. Wow. I had that like, it was just interesting when you said that because it was just like a, maybe a month ago or a little bit ago. But it, wow. it's just interesting that it was the same thing. That's cool, man. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, when I was praying upstairs, I just felt like one of the things that the Lord was impressing on me was that as we lift him up in praise, I've always, I'm so jaded almost because you hear all these Christian cliche things all your life, but you don't really, it doesn't really, you don't get revelation on what it really means. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so it's like I, I felt like the Lord was just pressing on me praise. And no, no, it's, it's, there's importance in praise because it helps us focus on him Come like on. you're talking about. Yeah. I can't think about me when I'm praising him and thinking how worthy he is. Come on. And I'm getting this download of his goodness and his love. And all this stuff is just filling me up and it empties me of me. You know? Come on, come on. So it's like. You know, when I was um, doing that, I felt like the Lord was saying, as my people lift me up, I will draw all men to me. Mm, mm. It's like as we lift him up, mm-hmm. he's going to, the people are going to look at us and they're going to see us all emptied out and all filled with his joy, joy. emptied out of ourselves. And the, yeah. the world is going to be drawn to us. They're going to want that. They're going to be drawn to him, rather, Yeah, is what I'm saying. It's Tabernacle of David. It's Tabernacle of David. Restoration. I mean, I'm telling you, this is this was happening. Like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but like, we're going to have big parties for Jesus. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to have to not be religious in order to accomplish that. <laughs> so, we're going to have to just when He tells you to come, come. You know what I'm saying? Every tear sown is going to be reaped in joy. Yeah. Every tear sown. It's good. There's been a lot of tears shed over the last few years. Yeah. It's time for some daggone joy to be reaped. Yeah. It's, it's the season for that. Yeah. Like. And it won't be denied. The Lord's word will not return to him void. It's not going to be denied. There ain't nothing the devil can do or anyone can do. No, nobody can stop it. The harvest of the Lord's plan yeah. for, for the world and for us. And it's not just it's not a harvest of just people. It's a harvest of restoration of the kingdom of God. Restoration of all things. Of all things. Every single promise. Yes. Of all things. Of all things. Yeah, and see, and, and, no, and, and you know, I know people, some people are like laboring really hard, like we got to make this happen, this has got to happen, stuff like that. You can't stop this from happening. There's a set time for this. Yeah. Just like there was a set time for Pentecost, Pentecost is going to happen, period. Well, there's a set time for this too. There's a set time. God's been ministering that. There's a set time. There's, I don't know when it is, but there's a set, there's a set time. And uh, you can't stop it. No one can stop this from happening. It's going to be really cool. I've been waiting on my whole life. <laughs> I have. So, anybody else have anything in closing? I know we kind of went a little bit long here, but yeah, please share. I hope I don't confuse myself for anybody else that I got a lot going on in here. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, man. So, sure. About three months ago, I heard this crazy word when I was waking up, and it's taken me to like last week to kind of get a little bit of a grasp of what's going on. So, this word is Sheba Dinka. I had no idea what it meant. It doesn't really translate out very well when you research it. I've picked it up and put it down about a hundred times, just trying to figure out what it was. Interesting. So my wife 
bought me this cool Bible for Christmas, and I started, I just started at Genesis, so I started going through. All right, so I get to the part where Abimelech Mm -hmm. and Abraham are having a dispute about the well, okay? So in that dispute, Abraham makes a covenant with Abimelech, I can't say the word. Abimelech. Abimelech, okay. All right, so I just figured this, like, really, while you were preaching, I started researching some more and figured out more stuff on this. So Abimelech means my father is king. Hmm. Abraham is the father. Mm -hmm. They have a covenant with each other where they sacrifice seven lambs, Hmm. the perfect sacrifice where the father is making a covenant with the son. Oh, man, come on, brother. About a well. Wow. Okay, so Abraham gets the well. Okay. Now, <laughs> this is complicated. I'm trying to good, process man. how to Share figure it out. It's okay, good. so the, the next part, Dinka, was several words put together, I think. Mm-hmm. So, Din, D-I-N, means judgment. Ka, I've gone through, a mil- it means a di- million different things, but they have a saying, it's a slang saying in Hebrew, Kin Ain Ara means <laughs> no evil eye. So there's going to be judgment on the evil eye. So the evil eye throughout history has been the evil corrupting the world. Yeah, the occult. and The yeah, occult. Absolutely. Egyptian, pagan worship. So when you put that all together, we're to sit at the so we're to sit at the well of the oath, the perfect covenant. Mm, Come on, and drink from that well and watch God exact the judgment on the evil eye. Come on, this year, I've just been like, what? What is our? What is my word for this year? Come on. Which part? Sheba Dinka. Sheba Dinka. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. That's. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, ju- judgment is being passed this year on darts. Yeah. Like it. It is. I mean, that, that's what you're talking about. I'm telling you, God's going to shut it down this year. Did you all notice too that? Um, Will you take the mic, pretty please? The pool of Salome is being. Excavated that. and going to be fully open for people to visit. First time in like what two thousand years? Two thousand so? years. Wow, pool of Siloam in Egypt or in Israel. Yeah. It's, it's prophetic. Yes. Oh yeah, the pool. The pool of Siloam represents healing. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's exciting. It's exciting. And 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 you know, just like Trey was saying, and what I've been preaching here this morning. Stay at the well. Stay in relationship. Don't be concerned about all the crazy stuff that's going on. Just stay in relationship. Fight for relationship. Maintain that, and everything else will just fall into place. I mean, there's one thing that's needful. There's one thing that's needful, sitting at His feet. Amen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Fear not. Don't worry about the things you're going to eat or the things you're going to wear. Can I get an amen, guys? This is our roadmap. Our roadmap is Jesus. Drawn near to him. 
And all kinds of people are going to get saved, too. It's going to be awesome. What do you got? Oh, no, it's cool. I'm taking my time. <laughs> That's right. We do need to order pizza, don't we? <laughs> Bambi gave me to shut up. You should shut up. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I know. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. It's all good. You got them Ozzy Osbourne sunglasses on back there. I can't even see your eyes. Did you hear what I said? I said, you got them Ozzy Osbourne uh, sunglasses back there. I can't even see your eyes. <laughs> it's all good. Amen. It's good. Anybody else got anything to share? So good. Thank you guys for sharing. Amen. Okay, if you need to get an envelope this morning, we'll get one to you. Dan, will you take up the offering, please? Um, just to really just one announcement. We've had an opportunity to help uh, some more single moms and uh, just want to say thank you for giving into our church. And we have uh, we we had an opportunity to, to to pay somebody's rent and their back rent and keep their uh, keep their lights on and you know keep their home uh, rolling. And uh, I'm really thankful to be able to do that as a as a church. And so we're we're continuing to do that. And we will continue to do that. We want to be a help and be a blessing. And I mean, I, I do think the church is really going to rise up and. And just, just help, man. I mean, and I'll tell you what, once it gets warm again, man, I, I want to start doing our outreaches and keep feeding people. I think feeding people is going to be a big part of uh, what's happening. And uh, so it's, it's just good, man. So I'm excited. And then as far as like building onto the church, I know we've been talking about that and stuff. And, uh, you know, just praying about that and considering that. And um, kind of the word that we have received right now and it's not an exciting word, but is wait until I tell you what to do. So I would love to say that I had some type of, you know, but that's what I got is wait. <laughs> wait until you get clear direction from me. So just kind of give you guys an update on that. Everybody keep praying about it, keep presenting it before the Lord. And, um, but, uh, I mean, you know, you don't want to get ahead of God. You don't want to be behind. You want to be right in step. And so... I feel very strongly that that's, that's, that's what we have going on right now in this season. So anyway, Lord, we just ask you to bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. And you guys go in the peace and joy of the Lord. We're going to take down the Christmas decorations.